of, of uh, explaining what's happening next week. Uh, those songs, for some reason, I'm sitting here thinking about what's going on in this church right now and, and, and the, the new song there. You know, we've got Cancer Scares this week, uh, Cancer Scares that were allayed. We have uh, people recently having babies and, and things are healthy. We have uh, people maybe learning that they're going to have a baby and things are going... I mean, things are... COVID hasn't shut down life, <laughs> and we're still doing life, um, and we at Common Ground believe we're called to do that together uh, as much as possible, loving one another, and then taking this truth of Jesus Christ to the world around us. And so um, I wanted to point out, we've got bulletins again, which is exciting. Um, we have sermon notes in the middle. If you're a note taker, you know, some of you are, and if you're not, that's okay too. Um, and then we have outpost questions on the back so that when you go to your outpost group this week, uh, you know what's going to be talked about. You can look at this ahead of time and prepare. Uh, there's some further study questions so you can look up those verses um, and then come, and, and that's exciting. A um, couple other things that stuck out to me on this. Um, budget update. With all the COVID, with everything shut down, we are very close to being on budget, which is amazing. And so I just have to say thank you. God is good, um, and, and we're full of, of faithful people. So thank you for that. Um, and then the church at home. Starting next week, if you haven't signed up, on your bulletin on the back is that text to act number. Sign up to go to one of these. Um, again, Katie described it well of why we want to do this. Uh, we are committed to going as a church, but also to doing life together. And when things get shut down, we can't do that. Or even now, the mask thing, some people aren't coming because of masks, and I get that. Maybe they would go if we had a good home church thing going somewhere. So... It's a test. If you go, you're not stuck to doing this forever. It's a one-time test. So try that out. Uh, as Paul and I were talking about this test, he was reminding me of, of when we started in our house, and he wasn't even here yet, so I don't know why he was reminding me. Um, but it was a good reminder that we started in our living room, um, and then when we outgrew that, we put a tent in the backyard. And it was uh, October, I remember, winds coming through, and we had heaters in this tent, and people holding it down because it was trying to blow away, and we were worshiping in that, and it was awesome. Um, so if you want to be part of that, <laughs> we'll see what God does. Uh, but help us with this test, because we are going to have a survey afterward to say, might this be in our future, and how could we do it better if we would? Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we get to worship. Thank you that we do have the freedom to worship, even if it's with masks on, even if it's limited. Uh, we still get to gather, um, and we thank you for that. God, we ask that you would be with the situations around the world and around our nation right now, uh, that you would, would show your lordship in your people, um, and you would love through us. God, that people, this would be a time when people get to know you, that God, your church would not be part of the division but rather we would be part of, of reconciliation and drawing people to you uh, with love and with hope. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So you ever, uh, you ever play the telephone game? You know that game, like right now, if we started it here and just passed it around, and you whisper it, and then the last person says, here's the message I heard, and everybody gets to laugh, and then you go back to the beginning and go, what was the real message? Well, when we play that when the cousins come to visit, you know, you start it out, and it's like one of my daughters, horses are great. And it goes through, and at the very end, it's like, Caden is awesome. I'm like, we know where that message changed. <laughs> it changed with him. Um, or sometimes it changes, you know, slightly without doing it on purpose. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm thinking of the gospel. 
the good news of Jesus Christ, the message that started 2,000 years ago with Jesus, then on through his disciples, through those 2,000 years, that message, people have attempted to change it. Some on purpose, you know, some by confusion or whatever, but that message at times has gotten warped. I mean, we can just look at the world today and, and cults and things that claim Jesus, but they take the message and then twist it around. Or there's those who don't believe in Jesus, and they've got their own message that's not true, and they need the true message. And in our world right now, you know, the message out there is do what makes you happy, right? Uh, there is no truth. I mean, that's part of the reason we're in this mess that we're in right now, is a throwing out of absolute truth. And if there's no truth, then I can make up my own truth, and I can make up whatever's good for me. You know, and I had a conversation a couple years ago at Starbucks with a young man who was claiming that. I said, well, what color is my shirt? I said, it's red. I mean, I was wearing a red shirt then. He's like, well, I could say it's blue. I said, you'd be wrong. <laughs> it's, you know, I said, or, or if you're on a cliff and you say, uh, I think I can fly. Would it be loving for me to let you jump off the cliff because I know you can't and you would fall to your death? And, and then he kind of stumbled around on that. My, my point is, there is truth in Jesus Christ. And as we're going through Acts, so turn to Acts. In Acts, we see this message. We see God's plan to take the gospel, meaning good news, to the nations. And his plan is to do it through his people, his church. So we are plan A, and there is no plan B. And that message is life-giving. That message is about reconciliation, what God has done to save people. That message is that God loves you. The message isn't church is awesome and religion is great and come be like us. The message is here's what God has done for you. And so we need to get the message right. And here we're going to look in Acts uh, chapter 2, and we're going to see the first sermon, the first Christian sermon that Peter preached under inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he shares the message for the first time. But before we look at that, I want to read to you Romans 10, 14 and 15. It'll be on the screen here. And this is the Apostle Paul. And he says this. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe on him whom they have never heard? And they are, how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And here's what we see in Acts. You're sent. If you belong to Jesus, you're sent. This isn't just preachers. We are all sent. For by grace we are been, have been saved, and then we take that and share it. And here we're going to be looking at, at this sermon, but here's this context. We looked at it last week. The church is brand new. Jesus died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, told his disciples, go wait for the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 8, that's kind of our theme for this whole book. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, sharing the message in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. They go, they wait, the Holy Spirit falls on 120 uh, Jesus followers. They receive the Spirit. They go outside and start speaking in other languages. I mean, cool scene. But they start sharing the good news of Jesus and what God has done in the languages people hear. And, and we already saw in chapter 2 here that all these people from all over the known world are hearing it in their own language. And it says that there are people from all nations. So all known nations there were, were represented. Kind of cool that God is going to his people. And now they're going to hear the gospel. And, and Peter is going to share this message. I wanted to point out one thing before we get into this. Because again, context is very important. 
as we read this message, we may be tempted that we should go say the message the same way Peter said the message. But Peter's audience, these were Jews. Probably most of them faithful Jews because they're in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. So he's going to quote the prophet Joel. He's going to quote uh, King David, who was also a prophet. He's going to refer to, to Jesus as the, the king that's promised through David, the Messiah, the Christ. He's speaking to Jews. When we share this message, it might not go over so well if we go quote the prophet Joel. People look at us like, what? <laughs> you know, they had already accepted the prophet Joel as, as scripture. They believed that. And so, so we don't have to share the message in the same way. When you see Paul going through Gentile areas, he rarely quoted the Old Testament scripture. Because they didn't accept the Old Testament scripture. And so for us, we're going to look at the key points of this message. And maybe sometimes it's good to share it the same way. Sometimes we might need to have the points, but share them a little bit differently or in a way that the person can hear. And if you're here today and you do not know the full message or you have not surrendered to Jesus as Lord, I've been praying that today will be the day when you hear this and you go, I get it. I get those points and I believe it. And here's what's going to happen if, if the Holy Spirit does this with you today. At the end, you're going to be like, what do I do now? And I'll tell you what. At that point, I'll tell you what to do. So look at, look at Acts chapter 2. And we're going to skip to verse 22. We looked at the rest last week. And here's Peter as he begins to preach. Actually, I, I uh, skipped over. Now that I've given you the notes, I can't skip over. There's already a note in there. <laughs> And the note as it begins is God sends the message to people where they're at. Um, and we get that from before. This is why they're speaking in tongues, in languages, so that the people are like, wait a minute, God is coming to me. You know, a lot of religions are going to say, come to us, be just like us. God does it differently. God wants to go to people and pursue people. That's why he sends his disciples out. And that's why here, 120 uh, Jesus followers are speaking in other known languages because God wants to reach people where they're at. Okay, now I can read. Acts 2, 22. It says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. We'll stop right there. We'll pick up the rest in a minute. But here's the beginning of this message. Now remember, Peter, he is speaking, and I don't know exactly what's happening. Are the other ones translating into these languages they don't know and everybody's hearing it? I think probably. That's what it looks like. But there are thousands there. At the end of this sermon, 3,000 are going to be saved. 3,000 are going to turn to Jesus. Big crowd, and he begins it this way, you know, very, very gently and kind, and, and uh, uh, you know, this Jesus, you delivered up to be killed. He, he, he comes right at him. But the messenger here is bold about Jesus. The messenger is bold about Jesus, and that's important. You know, in our culture of tolerance, you know, sometimes we go too far in the gentle area. Now, Scripture's clear, and we know it. When we communicate the truth of Jesus, we do it lovingly, graciously, gently. But I hear this too often and have been tempted too often in my own life when talking to somebody. Well, I believe this. Right there, even just saying it that way is, I believe this, but because it's culturally, you know, this is the right way to say it, you can believe what you want, but I believe this. Rather than 
Here's the truth. The truth is there's one way to be saved. One way. And it's Jesus alone. And you can say that gently and lovingly. And by the way, it is loving to point to the truth. Because without the truth, we are all headed toward destruction. So the messenger is bold about Jesus. And we notice some things here. You know, uh, Peter here uh, points to Jesus dying on the cross. You know, here's what happened. He was delivered up. But what does he say about that? He says in verse 23, it was according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Meaning, this was no accident. God didn't send Jesus, the Messiah, and then they killed him and he went, oh no, what am I going to do now? This was God's plan from the beginning. You look back at Genesis, at the very, very beginning, when the first sin took place, God said he gave a hint of what was going to happen. Remember, it was, it was the serpent that deceived Eve, and he says, here's what's going to happen. Later, uh, a son of Eve, you know, serpent, you're going to bite his heel, and he's going to crush your head. That's what happened on the cross. You know, Satan was behind his death, but it was like a little bruise on the heel to God. Whereas Jesus would crush his head by rising from the dead. And so this was planned from the beginning. No surprise. God knows what he's doing. He's been doing this for a while. Yes! (laughs) Morgan, that was a perfect time. (laughs) Yeah, so God knows what he's doing. So he's sovereign, clearly. But then he holds them responsible for the decisions that they've made. You know, here's a big battle within uh, churches and denominations and and things. Is, Is God totally sovereign or do we have free will? The answer is yes. How that works together, I don't always fully understand. But here, he holds them accountable for what happened. He says here, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Now, real quick, there's at least 3,000. If every soul out there was saved, there's at least 3,000. Were they all part of Jesus' crucifixion? I mean, did they take turns banging that nail? No. So how did Peter say, you crucified him? Here's the truth. The truth is every person's sin put him on the cross. The truth, and we we can see who he's talking to, that they didn't do that. Peter could say the same message to us today. You put him on the cross. Doesn't that hit you in a certain way? It hits me. I mean, through my life, at times when I think about this truth, I think, did he get an extra whip because of my sin? Like, if, if I would have been a perfect human, would that have saved him a little bit? Which is impossible, I know. But our sin put him on the cross, meaning we are culpable. It's our fault. So here's what we see about this message, another point. The message tells us the truth about ourselves. The issue is sin. There it is. The issue is sin. Sin separated people from God. That's why he had to send Jesus to to die. That's why Jesus had to rise from the dead. But our sin, put him there, your sin and mine. Our message, I mean, culturally acceptable message now is, you're good. You're good. You could use Jesus, that might help, but you're good. The Bible says you're not good. Apart from Jesus, you are a sinner destined for hell. And and, and a life that's not going to glorify God at all. You need Jesus. That's the truth. And again, try saying that in a gentle way, but that's the truth. The gospel tells us the truth about ourselves. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the truth. Romans 3.10 will say there's none righteous, not even one. And so me saying, apart from Jesus, you're not good, 
Well, it's the same for me. I mean, I look in the mirror. Apart from Jesus, I'm not good. We're all in the same boat. Again, I like how Paul writes it in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Does that sound like we're good? And here in there, Paul is writing to believers saying, this is what you were before Christ, so don't you get a big head. We were all in the same boat. Apart from Christ, we're dead. And so the, the, the gospel, the good news has to tell us the truth about ourselves, and the truth is that we are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. That's kind of the, big, the, the first big point in this message, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And as we look there in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, we see that the message tells of Jesus' death on the cross as a propitiation for our sins. Now, now that's a, a big word, propitiation. But in Romans 3, 23, he talks about it. He says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's one big word. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Quickly, redemption means to purchase back. Jesus' blood purchased us back to a relationship with God. We were apart from God, a debt we couldn't pay. He paid that debt. That's what redemption means. Propitiation means a wrath satisfied. So here's the thing. God is good, but God is also just. Meaning your sin and mine, God, although he's perfect and he's God, he wouldn't just look at that and go, I just forgive. Everything's okay. Because he's just, a good judge has to dole out the punishment. And so because he's just, propitiation means the wrath, the penalty has to be poured out. And rather than you taking it, Jesus said, I'll take it. Jesus went, I mean, it's like like the bullet coming in in the movie, and he's diving in front of the bullet. That's what Jesus did. Jesus is the propitiation. He satisfied God's wrath. Oh, that's heavy. That's heavy. Propitiation is pacifying wrath by taking care of the penalty for the offense that caused the wrath. If you're not a taker, note taker, you should be for sentences like that. But he satisfied the wrath. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says it this way, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the great message, the good news of Jesus. The gospel, the only way to salvation is that Jesus took it, his death on the cross. God meets people where they're at. The message tells them the truth about themselves and then points to the death of Jesus on the cross. There is no salvation without understanding that Jesus died for our sins. But the message does not stop there. It continues, verse 24. God raised him, speaking still of Jesus, God raised him, Loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Now, I'm not going to read these next verses, but he's going to quote uh, King David, who was a prophet, and David looked forward to the, the rising of the dead of the Messiah. And a lot of these next ones uh, you know, speak directly to that, that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, let me skip forward 
uh, verse 31. It says, He foresaw and He spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did His flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. So here's the point there. Another part of the message that Jesus rose from the dead. There is no salvation without a firm belief and faith that Jesus bodily rose from the dead. Not in some spiritual sense. Bodily. His body came back from the dead. Changed and different. But it was still Jesus. He bodily rose from the dead. And people will look at that and say, they'll try and talk their way around it. Now, he didn't actually rise from the dead, but his sacrifice was good enough. I mean, I've heard these arguments. No, he rose from the dead. And Paul will write elsewhere. I keep talking about Paul because he says things in a, in a great way. But Paul will say, if there is no resurrection from the dead, our faith is worthless. Because if he wasn't raised, you won't be either. And all the gospel makes no sense. Jesus rose from the dead. For salvation, a person must believe he died on the cross for their sins and rose from the dead bodily. But then he goes on, verse 33. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So remember, he poured out the Spirit. Evidence is that they're all speaking in tongues right then. Verse 34. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord... Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Meaning Jesus is above King David. King David was kind of the top. There's Moses and King David. He's saying here, King David looked forward to this Messiah coming who was Jesus and said, he is my Lord. David didn't rise from the dead. David is not going to sit on the, the throne forever. Jesus is the king. He is a descendant of David. He is David's Lord. That's what he's saying here. He rose from the dead. He sits on the throne. Again, this is part of the message you, you might not need to start out with with somebody. Um, unless, unless maybe they're Jewish and they're looking for the, the next king to come. Uh, but this truth is, is deep and is significant. But here's what does matter. Verse 36. Let all the house of Israel and residents of Carson Valley therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He has made him both Lord and Christ. Lord, that was the word used for God. But the word used for a master, a ruler, and Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, the promised one, the one the Jews were looking forward to. But he's not just their Messiah, he's also our Messiah. He made him both Lord and Christ. The message must point people to the lordship of Jesus in their lives. That's the point. You get that? I, I mean, I, I grew up with hearing this a lot, that you just pray a prayer, say you believe Jesus died and rose from the dead, and you're saved. And that's it. Yes, and I would say that is true. Genuine belief is all that's required for salvation. But part of that understanding is that Jesus becomes Lord. That you follow him. You don't just do whatever you want and have your get out of hell free card in your pocket because you said you believed in Jesus. There's a call here that Jesus is, is Lord because he is the king and he does sit on the throne. In fact, Jesus would say, if anyone would save his life, he must lose it for me. The, the call is to really follow Jesus. And this is reiterated when the, the, the people hear the message and they're cut to the heart. It says this, Verse 37, 
Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were affected emotionally about their sin and what God did for them. And, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Great question. So maybe you're here and you're hearing this message and you go, I believe. What should I do? Here's what he says. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Skipping down to verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized. There were added that day about 3,000 souls. The one who accepts Jesus as Lord will repent and be baptized. Now we can argue, wait a minute, it's, it's grace, faith, we're saved by belief, not by works. Is repentance a work? And there's, I mean, you can read paper and essay after essay debating, is repentance a work? Well, here, repentance, whether it's a work or whether it's a result of true, genuine belief, it always happens. So I don't really care about that debate so much. Um, if somebody says they believe in Jesus and then they're like, but I'm going to live however I want, I'm going to go, you should question if you believe in Jesus. You should question your salvation because repentance is part of it. And that means you turn from your life, turn to Jesus as Lord. It does not mean you're perfect at all. But it means you no longer want to be Lord of your own life, but Jesus takes that place. He says, repent, turn to Jesus, and be baptized. And he's talking about water baptism here. Dipped in water as an outward sign of an inward change. And what happened? 3,000 did it that day. What did that look like in Jerusalem? 120 there, you know, sharing this message. 3,000 raise their hand and walk up. And it's like, okay, you take 100, you take 100, go find some water. I mean, that would have been crazy in Jerusalem. I've never really thought about it till looking at this. These crowds just went out to find water in different places and started baptizing. Can you imagine seeing this crew come up? And you're, What's happening? Oh, these are all Jesus followers now. What? They were baptized immediately. They didn't have a new believer class. You know, they didn't have to sign something. They professed their faith in Jesus, and they were baptized. And again, this is one of those, if somebody believes, but they're not willing to be baptized, they need to question why not. Because it is the first sign of obedience, being baptized. And since you have one of these cool things now, if you want to get baptized, you've placed your faith in Jesus, we're going to have one soon. We don't know when exactly. It'll be within the next six weeks or so. Um, but we want to do it when we're back together, ideally, because baptism is such a party. Um, and we already have two or three that are wanting to do it. And we're like, hold on just a little longer until we can all be together. Um, but if you need to get baptized, um, fill out the Connect card and just put it on there and slip it in the box on your way out, and we'll, we'll talk to you about that. But 3,000 were saved. Here's that message. Jesus is Lord in Christ. Died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. Repent and be baptized. Now we're going to take communion. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. And when we do this, we are remembering Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, the Lord's Supper is for those who have placed their faith in Jesus as Lord. If you haven't done that yet, I'm going to be in the back. I'd love to talk to you. If you just have questions, I'm not going to pressure you. I'll answer your questions. But maybe today would be the day to get some more information on, on what it means to be a, a Jesus follower or to say yes and then take communion for the first time. But for the rest of us, uh, as we start this last song, take a minute, pray, examine your heart, come up. Uh, the way we do it here, you know, we don't pass it around. You have to, you have to take a little hike. Uh, come, grab it, um, go back to your seat or do whatever you want. But let's celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection. And again, if you want to talk to me, I'll be in the back. Father, we thank you.
Oh, we thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying and rising from the dead. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that salvation is not by my works. Um, there's no way I'd make it. There's no way any of us would make it. But I know me better than anybody else knows me, and you wouldn't want me there uh, if it was just me. God, and I think all of us, when we are honest, feel the same way. So we thank you, Jesus, for loving us enough to be the propitiation for taking on the wrath we deserved. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We believe. We believe, Jesus, you died on the cross. We believe you rose from the dead, and we want you to be Lord. And we struggle. You know we struggle. We struggle. And we're sorry for that. And we want your help. Holy Spirit, help us to walk in you, to walk rightly. And give us the boldness that these disciples had. Give us the boldness and the words when we have the opportunity to share this message clearly and lovingly with those who need it. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.